You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who has come in order to give us something of such great value. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you were watching the Super Bowl this past Sunday, you might have seen a ad that maybe confused you. Maybe it was something that you kind of checked your TV to make sure that it was working. If you did, it was probably this ad, this ad where there was a QR code that was changing colors that was just sort of bouncing around your screen in the old way that the DVD logos used to bounce around your screen when your DVD player was paused or off. You saw this sort of QR code bouncing around for what seemed like an eternity. And probably if you were watching this with some other people, it got to the point where your curiosity or somebody in the room's curiosity got to the point where you finally said, I have to know. I have to know what that bouncing QR code is all about. And so somebody in your household might have gotten up with their phone and taken a picture of something on the TV screen and then said, Coinbase? The ad for Coinbase was a wildly successful ad during the Super Bowl. And uh, the, the reason that we know that it was so wildly successful is that Coinbase is an app in which you can buy cryptocurrency. And it actually blew up so much that the app started to fail. It broke the app. They got so much business from that Super Bowl ad. And so it, it definitely worked. And that day, there was something on the order of 270-some percent more cryptocurrency traded simply because of that ad. And it got into this, this, sort of, uh, this sort of place where we started talking about this, uh, this thing that a lot of us are kind of, oh, kind of confused about. Yeah, uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and Dogecoin and what are all of these things? And of course, the moment that you ask that, you get somebody who is automatically an expert in these things. <laughs> who is more than willing to tell you about how this is more reliable than uh, the dollars that are in your pocket or in your bank account or, or wherever, and you should really go and you should buy some more of this cryptocurrency. And it, it comes into this, this interesting conversation that we're having as a society, as, uh, as places like El Salvador are adopting uh, uh, cryptocurrency as their, their national currency, and we're starting to go, well, how, how does that work? Because I, I don't really understand it. It's not like the dollars that are in my pocket. It's not like the dollars that are in my bank account. This is something different. This is something that I don't really understand. 
Well, the whole way that this all started was that there were plenty of people that were trying to figure out how they would do a sort of cyber currency. And uh, eventually what happened is that in the early 2000s, somebody actually figured out a way to do this. And they, they figured out a way to do this so that everything was uh, not able to be uh, sort of replicated. So you couldn't just counterfeit your own, your own money, but this was actually something that would work out. And so as that became uh, a thing we started to see uh, this question about, okay, well, how can, can I buy this? And you started having people that started speculating in cryptocurrency, and they started sort of buying this stuff up and say, saying, okay, well, how can I use this? And then there were all sorts of other problems. As certain things uh, started to pop up on, uh, on the internet that you could buy all sorts of fun stuff like heroin and hit jobs and all sorts of things like that that you could buy with this anonymous currency. And the FBI couldn't track you. And you thought, oh, well, this is great. Now cryptocurrency is just for criminals, which means that I don't have to know about it. But then eventually a lot of that stuff started going down the tubes and we got back to this place where we are now, where we go, do I really need this? And if I need this, how do I value it? How do I come up with this understanding of what is valuable here? Because if you watch cryptocurrency, it is wildly valuable one day and it is bargain bottom basement prices the next. Well, that whole thing kind of gets us in a place where we start to understand what's happening in these texts, where we start to understand, okay, how is there sort of a mismatch in terms of value that's happening in, in some of these texts? And so the, the first place that we see this is in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians that uh, we talked about last week. The Corinthians don't really believe that having a resurrection is of any value whatsoever because they're Greeks, and Greeks thought that the body is disposable. You don't want to have a body any more than you want to, you know, sort of frame your red solo cup up on, on your bookshelf. It's just one of those things where it's like, why would, it, why would I take my old toothbrush and say, this is so valuable? But to Paul, Paul's trying to get across this idea where this body, this thing that we have that God has created, that he has given to us, this thing is important to God. Even though it's uh, subject to sin, even though it's subject to sort of malfunction and do all sorts of crazy things, uh, this is something that God has created. This is something that is valuable to him. And this is something even that he is going to use in raising us from the dead, that he's going to raise us from the dead, not just in a spiritual fashion, not just so that we're sort of like a, a you know, sort of like R2-D2 projecting Obi-Wan Kenobi someplace, but rather that this body that we're going to have, it's going to be a body. We're not going to be a ghost. We're going to be a body. We're going to have this thing where we're, we have physical touch in the resurrection. In fact, even some people go a little bit further and say, well, that's what it means for us to be humans is to have the five senses. And it's possible that the angels don't even have five senses. And so the things that we get to experience as human beings, like 
tasting the Lord's Supper and feeling the wetness of baptism, that those are all things that are only given to us as human beings in this human creation that God has given us. And that is so good that God wants to renew that in the resurrection. And Paul is getting so excited about this. And all of the Corinthians are going, meh. I don't know. They're kind of treating it like Bitcoin. They're kind of going like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's actually all that valuable because I, I, I don't know what that's going to be like. And he says, doubtless, some of you are going to ask the question about, well, how does this all work out? And uh, because what they're expecting is just sort of a body that is resurrected, sort of like a zombie. They're expecting a body that's just sort of like, okay, well, he's just going to like resuscitate me and then I'm going to get back up. And why would that be any better? Because you're talking about Greeks again and they don't think the body is great even in this form. So why would the body just resuscitated be any better? To which Paul says, no. What this is really like is this is much more like you're a seed that's been planted. And when that seed grows up, that seed doesn't look like a seed anymore. It looks like a tree. And so what Paul is telling us is that there is something that is going to be so much more valuable about that resurrected body. When it grows into the resurrected body that it's supposed to be that that resurrected body is going to experience life that doesn't experience sin, is going to experience life that isn't uh, set by limitation, that is going to be a a body like Jesus' body that can walk through walls, that it's going to be a body like Jesus' body that is going to be completely perfect, that is not going to experience pain, it's not going to experience suffering, that it's going to be this totally great body that is going to be connected to our experience today and yet so different from our experience today. And to really understand that, I think we go to the gospel. This gospel reading where Jesus is really just kind of turning up the heat on the law. I mean, we all love these sayings of Jesus at some level because they sound really great. They sound really inspirational. They sound like good, good things because they are good, good things. The law is always a good, good thing. But the problem is that when we look at these things and start to see those as things that we're expected to do, we start going, ha. I mean, some of these things are even more difficult than understanding cryptocurrency. Loving our neighbors as ourselves and, and not judging people and, and doing all, all sorts of good things and not uh, extracting revenge on people. All of those things, uh, they sound so, so good. And then we start going, but if I were in those situations, I wouldn't do that. If I'm in those situations, I'm judging people. If I'm in those situations, I'm extracting revenge from people. If I'm in those situations, I am lending and expecting lots of interest back. If I'm in those situations, I'm doing all sorts of things. But yet we understand, 
what he's getting at. And because we understand what he's getting at, we understand them to be inspirational. We understand that there's something about those sayings of Jesus that we know we can't do on our own, but we know that there's something about them that we can go, yes, that's good. I just can't do it right now. But it's good. That is what happens when we're resurrected. That is what happens when we're baptized. We begin to take on this identity that Christ has for us. We begin to take on who he is into our lives so that we can start doing these things that are inspirational. We can start doing these things, not perfectly on this side of the resurrection, but when we get into the resurrection, then they will be perfect. Then, at that point, then we we won't do any sinning. We will live up to these things that Jesus has for us. And that seems so strange for us. Because it is. Because it's like comparing cryptocurrency with dollars that we have in our pocket. Because the dollar is in our pocket, the dollar is in our bank account, we understand how that works. We understand how those things are tangible. And the thing is that most of us, uh, with cryptocurrency, we, j- we just don't understand how those things are tangible. We don't understand how they work. We don't understand how things play out there. But yet we know that they do somehow. We just need to know how. And if we feel like we know how, then we start getting into that. And Jesus comes to us and he gives us a promise. He gives us this promise that here is how you figure this out. You figure out the confusion of not being able to live up to my words by simply trusting that I have you covered. By trusting that I have forgiven your sins, that trusting that I am going to make you new, that I am actually making you right, new right now so that you can live a life that is confusing to so many other people. And the amazing thing that Jesus says at the end of that gospel reading is this, this sort of like backwards notion of things. He, he says at, at first that you shouldn't really kind of measure because the reason a lot of times that we measure is we measure in order to, uh, you know, in order to do something that's reciprocal. And so, you know, when, when Jesus says, you know, when somebody takes away your cloak, give him your tunic also, we go, well, that's, that's not right, Jesus, because that's not reciprocal. What I should do is if they take my cloak, I should be able to take something back from them that I have measured out that is going to be of equal value. And then, okay, then maybe we're fair. Or, you know, if, if we, we get into the lending bit that Jesus is talking about, that we go, well, the way that this happens, Jesus, I don't know if you've heard of count compound interest, but here's how my credit card company does it to me. And Jesus goes, no, here's the thing. The measure that you use will be used to measure back to you. And what he's saying here is that, in a lot of ways, that the lack of measurement is what will be used to measure you. Because the only person who's living up completely to all of these things is Jesus. 
And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm not judging you. I am uh, going to let you take my tunic and my cloak. I am going to let you hit me in the face and I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to do all of these things without measurement so that I can measure those things back out to you. But not measure them. Not give you something back that's reciprocal, but to give you something back that is grace. Because grace at its very core is not reciprocal. It is like a totally, completely foreign currency. Grace at its core says, it's, this is not going to be reciprocal. Uh, you're going to continue to sin, and I'm going to die on a cross. And you know what? That's the way that we're going to do this. And does it make any sense? No! But it's good for you that it doesn't make any sense. Because it is the way that you attain this resurrected body that I have ready for you. And if there is anything that we don't deserve, it's a resurrected body that lives for eternity. But that is what Christ has given to us. In the forgiveness of our sins, in the promise of the gospel, he has given to us something that we cannot measure in something that is not measured against us. So may you go out into this world recognizing that you have a gift that is beyond measure. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Oh,